This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Arlene Bynum for Alex Pearson. And we have news in the search for the B.C. murder suspects. You know, they were looking at that bode. Well, now the RCMP say they have found several items directly linked to them, as you just heard in our news. And we're going to talk about how this may impact the search. Does it mean anything? And is it a sign that we are moving forward? All right. Jim Van Allen is joining me, retired detective sergeant, OPP officer with the Behavioral Science Unit and criminal profiler. Jim Van Allen, how are you? Good, Arlene. Thanks for having me. All right, Jim, let me ask you, first of all, from what you know, does this mean anything that the RCMP has said they found these items linked? Because we all wondered what the heck's going on with that boat search. Is it just because it was in the area? Is it just because it was smashed up? But now we understand there are items that they know belong to the suspects. Yeah, I think it's a significant development for the RCMP's search. They've been now working really hard in the Gillum area. Um, found the boat, uh, searched the area on perhaps a little speculation, but the find today of personal items uh, attributed to the two suspects I think is significant. And what's uh, the nature of it is evaluated, like, um, were they washed up on shore uh, versus were they abandoned on shore? Uh, the reconstruction of that might suggest um, uh, a boating accident, possibly even accidental drowning. Exactly. So we don't know whether this is a sign that they're still on the run or this is a sign that they have um, met their demise. They searched that area, but yet they haven't announced another search area here. Does that does that bring any questions for you? No, not really. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not right there looking at what's mm-hmm. going on. I'm not familiar with the, that area of Manitoba, but I saw a picture of a, a diver in the water today, and it's a, it's a very large river. There's visible current. There's poor visibility. Um, they noted that they were diving in 29 meters of water, which uh, would really restrict a diver's time uh, below surface. And uh, if a body were to submerge under those conditions, it might take a very, very long time for that body to resurface, if it even does. You know, we found out some stuff about these two suspects, and when we put it into context, some of it is similar to what we're finding out from those who perpetrated the terror in the United States, troubled young men. You know, we're wondering how planned this is with your experience as a criminal profiler now that we found this boat, the items. What are you thinking, Jim? Did they plan for this? Did they plan for this wilderness aspect of it? No, I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know, I, I'd be very surprised if they were that innovative, and mm-hmm. I think that's much less likely the case. You know, they're two very young 
uh, unexperienced, untrained young men on the run. They're being pushed by um, the severity of the incident, what they're what they've done, what they're running from. They quite likely knew that there was a police presence in the area, and uh, maybe that pushed them a little bit harder. The the burning the vehicles. Uh, Mm-hmm. Like they do doesn't suggest a lot of sophistication to me. So I think they're they're going from we're going from hour to hour, day to day. You know, as I said, some of the stuff that we've learned about these suspects matches some of the aspects we've learned from the profiles of those who've committed the El Paso, Dayton. Uh-huh. And what goes on inside the mind of someone who feels like this and they're on the run? They're clearly not thinking straight, but they've got grievances. Well, they've got grievances. They've got a lot of issues going on. Uh, They possibly feel disenfranchised from public. They haven't been given a fair shake. Um, They might have hateful Mm -hmm. feelings towards society and they want to vent those uh, and and uh, the one suspect apparently had or reportedly had made comments of wanting to kill since he was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that suggests a lot of uh, prior thinking about it. But what we see is these individuals, and they might be thinking in very general terms for a long period of time. They know what they want to do, mm-hmm. and then it takes a a certain uh, change of circumstances to make their planets align that they decide they're going to do it now. And maybe it was being away from uh, home, maybe not being happy with the way things were going in Port Alberni, and they struck out on their own and, and started going with a bad uh, group of ideas. But um, but they- those ideas, Jim, are now available Online, we know the world has changed. And often when we look at these acts of violence, we look back and we say, well, you know, how do people not know? They were talking about killing themselves and killing others from an early age. You've just brought it up. And it was very similar to one of the gunmen in the United States. So are we seeing something new? With your experience, are you looking at something new now when it comes to uh, almost a burst in domestic terror? No, this is, well, this isn't domestic terror. I, w- I wouldn't classify this as domestic terror. This no, but is, troubled uh, young men acting things out. Well, no, that's that's not new either. And we've seen that for... <laughs> Uh, over a decade now, we're we're um, trying to monitor patterns of what we see, and that. But the what you see on the internet doesn't make nonviolent people violent. But those that have a uh, leanings toward violence, they get the ideas from it. And they see other people do it, and it's sometimes it's a cap uh, a copycat effect that you see that uh, people see somebody else make a statement and they want to make that statement to or the notoriety that goes with it. Yeah, it is contagious in some ways. We saw it with the school shootings. First there was one, and we were shocked, and then there was another uh-huh. and another and another. Yeah, and it, it is known as the contagion effect, and, and we see it in response uh, to suicides. We see it in response mm-hmm. to workplace violence shootings and school shootings as well. 
You know, as we look at this violence, and I'm going to switch to some of the things that we're looking at in the United States and looking at the profiles of these young men, is there something happening with young men these days? There's a lot of focus. Are they angry? Do they feel displaced? But you've just said this is nothing new. Well, it's it's not new. It's becoming better defined. and. Um, with the internet goes an increased uh, capability of accessing um, similar uh, like-minded individuals that that feel the same way, and and you can get on these uh, chat boards, and uh, here's a hundred people that are thinking as you do, or encourage you to do something, and some of those will actually cross the line and and do it. Some will remain in a pre-event fantasy stage just thinking about it maybe they'll be gratified by uh, typing it on the keyboard but some will actually take the step and and uh, follow through on their violent hateful fantasies but that's again not what we're seeing with uh, this particular manhunt no you know it's interesting though whether we look at this and we look at the united states and I, I talked to John Douglas. Of course, he was uh, one of the original uh-huh. criminal profilers. And recently, and he said one of the things that he really found when he talked to murderers, and I want to see if you disagree or m- people who make this decision, as you just said, to take it to the next level, is because it presented itself. It was there. And maybe oh, yeah. mm-hmm, maybe the maybe online is doing that. Well, I again, I, I think there's a rush to blame online activities, but uh, however they they um, incubate these thoughts, um, they'll um, read similar um, information. They'll look at previous incidents that have been committed, uh, and then then they'll decide to uh, do it. But there's often a pathway that we see of people that are moving towards the likelihood of committing a a violent offense. And there's markers along the way we see, and like you said, some of these comments they make as uh, uh, younger teens is is part of that. And then we see them uh, researching other events that have happened. I wouldn't be surprised if that was on one of their uh, computer uh, hard drives. And uh, then they acquire the materials to do it. And... uh, these guys, uh, they're a little bit different. They struck out on their own. How much of a plan they had before, I can't really say. Well, the father the said he thought they wanted to go down in a blaze of glory. This is what the father well, said. For the spree um, killing murders, like what what I would classify this one as, it often ends up that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's an impulsiveness. There's a narcissism of some of these people. And uh, instead of letting the police capture them, they will maintain control at the end, either uh, committing suicide or forcing the police to uh, shoot them. And often in the terror, they take their own lives. As you say, taking control even until the end. Mm -hmm. Jim Van Allen, thank you for your expertise. We appreciate it. You have a nice evening. Thank you. You're welcome, Harley. All right. Jim Van Allen is a retired detective sergeant, OPP officer with the Behavioral Science Unit and criminal profiler. I'm Arlene Bynan sitting in for Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.